Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. That's how dumb we get in our flesh. You start, you start longing backwards like it was better. But it wasn't better. You were in bondage. Be careful about doing that in your relationship with the Lord. You get walking with the Lord and you hit a rough patch. And you start looking back. I had so much fun when I was in the world. I was always fun, man. I remember laughing and oh man, you had to be high and drunk to enjoy it. Do you remember the price tag? Do you remember the, the, the negative things that happened? Do you remember the jail time or whatever other ramifications came because sin has a price tag. You don't remember all that. We all know what it feels like to be nostalgic for our past. But how often do you truly miss it? Usually we miss the feeling of how it was, not everything involved. What Pastor Bill reminds us of today is that we need to be careful for what we crave. If you're looking at your past and missing all the things you used to do before you met Christ, you're tricking yourself into only remembering the nice parts. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you had it made when the reality was you were lost and broken. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 17 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. As I look at these things, I, I have a hard time fathoming how somebody could look at the human body and just say, yeah, it just evolved out of, it just first it started out of nothing and then the thing just evolved to do all the things that it does. It's quite amazing when you look at all the things that it does. Um, in our circulatory system, which, which allows the blood to travel, you got veins and arteries and capillaries and then they go bigger, smaller, smaller, the capillary, the smallest one is as small as a hair. And so when your blood pumps through your capillaries, it causes friction. So if you got good blood flow, then you're warm. So if you find that someone's hands and cold, your hands and feet are always cold, you got bad circulation. If you got good circulation, and that's how some people are like, man, he's always hot. We say he's warm-blooded. Um, now he's got good circulation. Them capillaries is kicking in and doing what they're supposed to do. That's that's those are good, healthy things that happen in our body. But this is amazing, right? If you get a cut, if you go out and you fall down and you get a boo-boo and you skin your knee or whatever, right? All the your body somehow your body knows that a cut happened right here, and your body kicks in the gear. There's blood that there's blood that flows in a the direction. There's cells that go to coagulate the blood to stop it from bleeding. If you're healthy, if you're not a hemophiliac or something like that, that it goes to coagulate the blood so it stops bleeding. The white blood cells go to kick out the infection, um, so you don't rot to death right there. And all these little systems, guys, I did all that. I did I, I did all those things that you might live and, and that you that, that that your body might do the things that it's supposed to do, right? I can't look at all those things and say, yeah, it's just kind of happenstance. You know, our bodies just kind of just came together one day in a happenstance of events. And I, I won't bore you with any more, but it, I, I was quite amazed over the week just looking at all the different stuff that the blood does in the body. And so God says here, look, blood is the life, right? You can't live without it. If, you're, if your heart start, stop pumping it, you'll die. And if you bleed out enough of it, you're going to die. Uh, you cut an artery and bleed out, you're going to die. Blood is important. It keeps life in you. It keeps life in the animals. That's why I don't want you consuming it. But the second reason why is it's what I atone for your sins with. The blood of Christ. And we know that the blood of Jesus was, was used to atone for our sins. The blood of Christ. And so it's a big deal. Um, the blood of Christ, unique, right? Uh, when the animals that came to be offered up, that their blood, they were going to be offered up. What, what, is, what was one of the things that were necessary for the animal? What, as they were examined, what had to be proven or shown for the animal? It was flawless, spotless, 
had to be a perfect lamb. It couldn't have a blemish. You know, you couldn't go out to your herd and be like, I'm going to give the Lord that limping goat. I'm going to give the Lord that one-eyed goat. You know, you, I mean, you had to bring your best. It had to be the, the animals without spot, blemish, without any kind of uh, Im- imperfection. It had to be perfect. And that was setting us up for the picture of what Jesus would be, the spotless lamb of God, that he would come to earth and live a perfect, holy, sinless life. And he would be the spotless lamb that would die for you and me, that his righteousness could be imputed to me as as my guilt and shame was imputed to him. And he died for it. Um, God has set this thing up a long time ago that that when Christ would come, these things would be impactful and meaningful to the believer. And so here God is telling the, the children of Israel, you guys, why, why you want to do what the pagans are doing? Why you guys want to drink blood and offer sacrifice to demons? Man, just come to the tabernacle. Bring, come worship where God really does exist. I struggle with this, right? As I look at them and I think, man, for people that have experienced the miraculous, somehow in my mind, my mind says, if we just saw the miraculous more, it would be so much easier to just believe. But when I read about them and how much they experience, it's not true. It's not true. I mean, if they're getting fed every day, manna from heaven, right? And were they thankful? No, they start complaining. They start, they, I mean, it's, I, 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 they could be glad I'm like, I would be a terrible God. If I'm, if, if I'm going out of my way as God to supernaturally drop enough manna every day to feed everybody, right? There was no allergies, right? If you weren't allergic, I was allergic to the manna, I couldn't eat my portion. Uh, it was, it was a perfect thing for everybody. You didn't have no allergic reactions. It wasn't no gluten-free version of the manna that would fall down. It was, it was, it just fell down. It was perfect. It was enough for everybody. Every day needs met. Done. God took care of it. And they complain. When, when they started complaining, you know what they did? They started looking back to when they were in Egypt. They're like, oh, but we had, when we was in Egypt, we had leeks and onions and we had, you know, maybe it was more flavorful foods they had, you know, but you was a slave. And that's how dumb we get in our flesh. You start, you start longing backwards like it was better, but it wasn't better. You were in bondage. Be careful about doing that in your relationship with the Lord. You get walking with the Lord and you hit a rough patch. And you start looking back. I had so much fun when I was in the world. I was always fun. Man, I remember laughing. And no, man, you had to be high and drunk to enjoy it. Do you remember the price tag? Do you remember the, the, the negative things that happened? you remember the jail time or whatever other ramifications came? Because sin has a price tag. You don't remember all that. Do you remember you were in bondage back then? You know, we'll forget all of that. And just be like, yeah, I remember laughing, though. Well, if you got to be drunk to laugh, is that good? Is that a good time? It's a fraudulent good time, right? So God is telling them here, I, I want you guys to just bring it to the tabernacle. Come come meet with me on my terms because he loves us, right? It should be easy for us to just say, God, you know, God loves me. I want to meet him on his terms. I want to go where, where he wants to meet with me. And I want, to, I want to meet God on his terms. Verse 12 now, 12 through 14, it says, Therefore I said to the children of Israel, No one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. Whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwells among you who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with the dust. For it is the life of all flesh. Its blood sustains its life. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh. For the life of all flesh is in the blood. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. So this is different, right? This isn't animals that would be offered in sacrifice. This is guys, if you went out hunting and you caught you a duck, boom, or you caught you an animal and you were going to cut it out in the field. God said, if you spill its blood, 
out in the field. Get some dirt and cover it up. Cover it up with dust. What he was establishing in this group is that the blood was sacred. Um, it wasn't to be something that they messed around with. It wasn't to be something they took lightly. If you got it on, you had to wash and be unclean till evening. When you killed the animal and the blood was on the ground, you had to cover it with dust. If you killed any animal or you shed the blood of any animal that was a sacrificial animal, you need to bring it to the tabernacle where the priest who had been instructed by God how to offer it up, they would take care of offering the sacrifice before the Lord. And so um, God was laying out these things. Now, as we come to the New Testament, we look at the significance of blood and what it accomplished. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of every sacrifice from the very first sin. The very first sinners were Adam and Eve, and their sin was atoned for with bloodshed. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. What did they do? They covered themselves up with fig leaves, best they could do. Um, right when they sinned, they became aware of their sinful condition. They became aware of their nakedness. Um, all of the euphoria and beautifulness of, of paradise was, was interrupted when they sinned. God told them, in the day you do this, you will surely die. And even though they didn't die on the spot, the process of death began in them. And the separation came between them and God. And God showed up in the garden. Where are you guys? Where are you at? Not that he didn't know where they were at, but they were hiding from God. They, were, they didn't used to hide from God. But now they're hiding from God. And God comes down and God deals with them. But it said in the midst of that transaction that God covered them with animal skins. Right? Well, how do you get the skin off animal? You got to kill it. That's the first sacrifice. Bloodshed. The blood of the innocent shed. For the sins of the guilty. Adam, right there in Adam and Eve. And then as, as the, the book would go forth, the Bible would go forth, God established it as a, for his people for all time, the, the shedding of innocent blood for the sins of the guilty. And the goal was to walk us all the way up to the blood of Jesus. Walk us all the way up to the person of Jesus Christ and his blood that was going to be shed for us. And so this is what's amazing about the time in which we live, you guys. There are whole churches and whole movements that have decided that the blood of Christ is too gory a thing to really be talking a lot about. And they don't want to talk about the blood of Christ. But I was this week looking at all this talk about blood. I started looking at it in the New Testament, looking at it in the Old Testament. It's all over the Bible, throughout the Bible altogether, 460 times. 362 in the Old Testament, uh, 98 times in the New Testament. And I want to give you some of the references that deal with what Christ's blood did for us. And... As I look at those things, I can never be ashamed of the blood. I can never be offended by the blood. I, it, it actually becomes something for which me as a believer I'm very thankful for. And so, first of all, it's, it's by the blood of Christ that we are sanctified. We're set apart or sanctified by his blood. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so I've been justified. What does that mean for me as a Christian? What's it mean to be justified? Someone said this, just as if I'd never sinned, right? What the blood of Christ does for me, I'm a guilty sinner. So are you. What the blood of Christ does for you and me is justifies us, right? When I stand before God the Father, when I stand before a holy God one day, I'm justified because of the blood of Christ. I can be thankful for that. Amen. That, that I, I get to stand justified because of what Christ has accomplished for me through his blood. Um, look at Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. It says in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And so we have redemption through his blood. 
Um, we'll see later on that there's also forgiveness. Um, look at first John chapter one, chapter one, verse seven says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us of all sins. So the blood of Christ cleanses me of my sins, causes me to, to be cleansed before a holy God. Uh, a few references uh, from the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter nine, verse 14. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And so we know that the blood of Christ um, here cleanses my conscience. For anybody here that struggles with, you know, knowing what you used to be, um, knowing what you were with the blood of Christ, as, as I'm aware that the blood of Christ cleanses me, I, I got a clean conscience. Even though I know what I was, if I believe the Bible that the blood of Christ cleanses me completely, then my conscience is clear. I, I no longer walk in guilt or shame of my past because of what Christ has done for me. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. Um, you can just write these down. We're, we're purchased, purchased by his blood. We're brought near by the blood of Christ. That's Ephesians 2 13. Um, we enjoy his forgiveness. All these things, we look at them, they're a result of the shedding of the blood of Christ to what he's done for us. I'm justified, I'm redeemed, I'm washed, I'm sanctified, I'm brought near, I'm cleansed, I'm purchased, and I'm, 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 I'm receiving his forgiveness. All these things are transactions that, that, that come about because of the blood of Christ. So as I look at that for what it is, I never want to be ashamed of it. I never want to be dirty talk. I never want the blood of Christ to be something for which it's, it's like, man, I, we don't want to talk about that. It's powerful what's been done for you and me through the blood of Christ. And so as we look at Leviticus and as God is laying out his standard and saying, hey, I want this to be revered. I want it to be dealt with as holy. I want you to bring it to the priest. I don't want you guys dealing with it yourself. I don't want you drinking it. I don't want you offering it in the wrong place. Why? God says it's, it's all got to come back to me. The focus has to be on me. When you're shedding blood, when, when there's going to be bloodshed and worship of animals, bring it to where the people that know how to offer it are going to do it. I want to make sure that the glory goes where it belongs. I want to make sure that it's done in a way that I am credited. I am glorified for it. That you understand the transaction that's taking place. That your sins are being atoned for by this blood. I want it to be done right. I don't want you just off doing it on your own. And so, again, the same is true with New Testament worship. God has prescribed, how, how do I get saved? How do I enter into a relationship with the Lord? God says, you come like this. Right? You don't get to make it up for yourself. You don't get to come up with a version that's more comfortable for you. The version that Christ has laid out is, if you just believe it, it's very comfortable. God said, look, you come with all your filth and shame and guilt and grime and dirt, and I love you just how you are. You come just like that. I receive you just like that. You just come believing that I love you, believing that I died for you, believing that I rose from the grave. You come just like that. I'll receive you. I'll not turn you away. And then as you come to me, God says, now I'll begin to do a new thing. Right. For the blood of Christ cleanses you of your sins. Your guilt's gone. But now I, I, I take up residence in you and I begin to work from the inside out to bring transformation in your life. You'll never be the same. So now I, I start with making you right with God. I, I deal with that right off the bat. But then I begin to transform you and change you over time. And this is how it's supposed to go. When I recognize what he's done for me first, that he's purchased me, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, receive me. The transaction should work out like this. I'm so thankful. For what you did for me, Lord, that from this point, right, I'm not working for salvation, but I'm looking at what you did for me right here saying, you know, whatever you want me to do from here, my life is yours. 
You have your way with my life. Because you did that for me, you can have this life. The rest of my time on earth, you just purchased my eternity. So however many little years I got down here, you have them, Lord. They're yours. And we begin to walk in obedience and submission. And, and we're transformed as we do so. That's not legalism. That's not, you know, I'm working really hard to, to make God like me. God already said, look, when you were still a sinner, I, I loved you. It don't get no better than that. Right? I, I never was worthy. I never was good enough. I never had earned it. So I'm never working for God. I'm never working to gain favor. Grace is unmerited favor, right? God had favor upon me when I didn't deserve it. God's like, I loved you when you were unlovely. So that's where the relationship started. You didn't choose me, right? But God says, what? I, I chose you. You didn't initiate the relationship. I started it, right? When you was out there doing whatever you used to do, set my sights on you. I came after you. And so God has a right to say, look, you didn't choose me. I picked you. I initiated the relationship. You just get to respond to my grace, respond to my goodness. And that's kind of where we want to be. That's the healthy place to be in as a Christian, where I realize how good God has been, how much he's done for me, all that he has sacrificed on my behalf. And when I realize that God has done all those things for me, it's like, Lord, I, I, I do. I want to glorify you in my life. I want I want my life to be pleasing in your sight. Last couple verses and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap everything up. It says in verse 15 through 15 and 16. And every person who eats what died naturally or what was torn by beast, rather he is native of your own country or a stranger. He shall both wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Then he shall be clean. But if he does not wash them or bathe his body, then he shall bear his guilt. So um, if you eat an animal that died naturally, you, you typically don't want to do that, right? You want to see an animal living and kill it, then eat it. So I know that it was living. If an animal, you find it dead, you don't know if it died because a cougar bit it or it had a disease and they just coke over and died. So he said, look, if you go eat an animal that you found it dead, take a minute to get yourself clean. And before you come back around the people, just have a, have a little time out before you come back around. If you, if you caught something, you're going to die. You'll be dead by evening. If not, then you can come on back around. But he said, you go home and wash yourself too. Go home, take a bath, wash off. Maybe you, you may have something on you that you don't want to have on you. Wash it off. And then come back around. And so uh, one day me and my son had went, uh, we were going, um, and, and some of you guys might be offended at this, but I hope not. But we went, uh, we went to go shooting squirrels. Now, where we went to shoot them at, I got a friend that has a, uh, where the men go to the men's retreat up in Wrightwood. They have two kinds of squirrels. They got gray squirrels and brown squirrels. Um, one of the squirrels goes up the tree. Those are the good ones. They got some other squirrels that burrow in the ground and mess up the foundation. And so they actually bring out teams over the summer to exterminate them because if they really get uh, a good footing, they'll actually destroy. Uh, they can destroy under a house. They can destroy where trees are falling down. They can really do a lot of damage. So they want, I think those might be the gray squirrels. I don't remember which color it was. No, the brown ones. They want those killed. So um, me and my son were able to go out one day and he said, hey, you guys come out, bring your pellet guns and you guys go ahead and exterminate some. So we went out there and, you know, went to do some squirrel shooting and um, we didn't have a, a whole lot of luck, but we went out there and shot up, shot up some squirrels. But on the way home, we saw a big one. Somebody had just run it over. And my son was like, dad, just get it. And we go home and he wanted to go home and, you know, you skin the animal and take the skin off. And I was like, you know, he's a boy, man. He had a new knife. I was like, let's go home and do this. Let's take it. And that was the biggest mistake I ever made. Because we cut that thing open, and it smelled like death. And um, 
Now, I couldn't imagine seeing something like that and then saying, let's, let's eat this. You know, I don't know why it died. It looked like it got run over, you know, but we don't know that for sure. God said, look, if you see something dead in the road and you go eat it, you make sure before you come back around my people, change clothes and you wash yourself real good. Get a scrubber and scrub yourself, you know. That's just common sense, but God is putting that out there for them. Now, I want to say this in, in, as we get ready to wrap it up. As we look at the sacrifice of Jesus, the shedding of the blood of Christ, I thought this is really interesting. One of the guys I was reading up on this had mentioned this. When we look at Jesus being offered as a spotless lamb, who offered Jesus? When the question was, when I first saw it, I'm like, the Father, God the Father. John 3.16, God shall love the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish everlasting life. The father gave the son. Uh, but then you look at John 10, 18, and Jesus says, you don't take my life from me. I lay it down. I give it up myself. I'm giving my own life. You know, no one's taking it from me. I'm laying it down. And guess what? When I'm done, I'm, I'm going to pick it back up again. So I got the father saying, I'm giving the son. I got the son saying, I give myself. And then we read it, but it's Hebrews 9, 14, where it says the eternal spirit offered him up. And so I looked, I was just kind of blown away at that. I said, wow, all three members of the Trinity were in, they were in cahoots in this. They were all together in offering the son that you and me might be saved. They were all together in this. So you had the father sending the son, the son saying, I'm giving myself the Holy Spirit operating his part. Um, all three persons of the Trinity saying, I'm, I'm, this sacrifice is being made that you guys can be made right with God. So as we, Finish. The only right thing to do with this side, what, what do you do with a sacrifice like that? You just receive it. Receive it. When we look at this, for someone that's aware that God did this, that says, but I don't want that though. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to submit to him. I don't want to surrender to him. I don't want to worship the way he wants. Um, this is why God won't accept that. God made a sacrifice. He made an offering. He made a provision for you and me. And for anybody that says, I know, but. God, there's no other way. Um, it's actually an offense to God if we reject this way. For the people in Leviticus, if they said, we don't like your style of worship, Lord. We like how to, they worship in Egypt. What did we read several times? What, what was going to happen to them? Cut off from your people. For New Testament people, right? When we come to God and we say, yeah, I, I know. I hate, I hate to counsel somebody too. And they say, I know, but. Don't tell me I know, but. That What that means is I know. But I'm gonna do my own thing. What I what I hear when someone says I know, but oh, you still got some you got some some you got some spankings coming. Um, you 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 you're gonna persist in your rebellion. You got some you got some hardship uh, just up ahead as you tell God I know, but um, so you really don't want to be in that place. But what we really want to do as we look at the sacrifice, we look at the heart behind the sacrifice. Why did God do all that? Because He loves me. He loves you. God know what a wretch I am. He knew how bad I needed His forgiveness, and He made a provision for me. And he made a provision for you. What should happen in the heart of the Christian? We should just be, we should be such thankful people. We should be such obedient people. We should, it should just be easy to, to get a worship out of us. God, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Uh, just, we should be a surrendered people to the Lord. And so just like this group here, um, the response, the proper response would be to be thankful. That there was a tabernacle, to be thankful that there was a priesthood, be thankful that there was a, a means by which their sins could be atoned for. And so you bring a New Testament and the same is true for you and me. We should be in a place where we say, God, I'm so thankful 
that you've made a provision for me that my sins can be forgiven. I'm so thankful that you've established something on the earth where I can enjoy fellowship and be built up and share my gifts with other believers. Um, we should just be glad to partake of everything that God has made available. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Leviticus is full of relevant content that can still be applied to us today. Yes, even the Old Testament book that seems to just be full of rules and regulations. It's full of the grace of God. No matter how many times the Israelites seem to misunderstand or misjudge God, He still forgave them. He still gave them chance after chance and gave them what they needed. How many times in your life can you see that God has done the same for you? He gives grace even when we make mistakes. He gives grace even when we don't deserve it. He gives us chance after chance after chance. There is no one else like Him. If you're struggling with your own mistakes and are having a hard time accepting the grace of God, we'd love to connect and pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online too. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website was CalvaryInglewood.org. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus, and you won't want to miss it. Learn more next time right here on A Transforming Word.